Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of the 2022 Australian Open. The first major of the year is here. And I always look forward to the draw coming out, especially for majors. This year, I needed it for my sanity, so it was great to dig into the draw. I will uh, begin this video with one disclaimer, which is that usually I print out my draw, and in my new apartment, I don't have a printer. So if at any point in the video I pause and start squinting, it's because I'm looking at my computer draw, which is not filled out, and it will take a little bit longer to process things. But I will try to avoid that. I have studied it. I have tried to uh, commit the major points that I want to make to memory. I don't have much of a preamble here as far as the Australian Open conditions and, and what I'm looking for. Uh, just as a refresher, in 2021, the players said it was as fast as it's ever been, that it was very, very fast. So I'm just going to assume it's going to be fast this year. Uh, news came out today that the crowd capacity is 50%. Do what you will with that information. If you're new to the channel, here is how this works. I will give you the top seeds in every quarter. Then I will give you a dark horse, which is the unseeded player most likely to make a run. Then I will give you an upset alert, which is the seeded player most likely to be upset in the first couple rounds. Then I will give you an early popcorn match, which is the match that I'm most looking forward to in the first couple rounds. I will also give, of course, a quarterfinal prediction. And then finally, at the end, a final weekend prediction. I also want to thank the sponsor of today's video, BetUS. Bet on the Australian Open at BetUS.com using sign-up bonus code GILL or the link in the description to get an exclusive 125% bonus on your first deposit. I tell you the odds, but they aren't up due to the Djokovic situation. Gotta wait until that plays out. But he, if he plays Medvedev and Zverev, will be the favorites to win. While you can expect nice big odds for just about anyone else who you may happen to successfully pick. Please bet responsibly, and remember, all my picks are straight up. Without further ado, for what feels like the a millionth time, we will begin with Novak Djokovic's quarter after... I address how I'm going to handle this, which is I am going to not talk about the Novak situation. When Alex Hawk makes his decision, I will make a video after that. That will be the next time that I discuss anything that has to do with COVID, Djokovic, and the entire scope and saga. And I'm going to assume that Djokovic is going to be in, even though it looks like there's a chance that he might not be. I will say what my prediction is going to be if he doesn't play. That's how this will be handled. Okay, here we go. Djokovic's quarter. The top seeds are Djokovic, Berrettini, Nori, Garin, Monfils, Carreño Busta, Sanago, and Alcaraz. And what I'm going to do before I get into any analysis, I'm just going to reveal the other categories. So there you go. Djokovic over Carlos Alcaraz is my quarterfinal prediction. My dark horse is Tommy Paul. 
My upset alert is Matteo Berrettini. My early popcorn match is Cam Norrie versus Sebastian Corda in round one. So here's how I feel like this uh, quarter shakes out. Uh, first of all, you have Djokovic and Berrettini as the top two seeds once again, which has been the case in three out of the last four majors now. And at Wimbledon, Djokovic beat Berrettini in the final. So there is a potential that if Djokovic plays and Berrettini makes the quarters, Berrettini may lose to the same opponent in four straight majors. And I, I asked on Twitter, has this ever happened? When has this happened? And uh, Serena beat Venus at four consecutive majors, I think from 2002 spanning to 2003. Novak's eighth is pretty weak, his little section. So if he's out, we could see a pretty interesting quarter finalist. Let me just back up my statement, pull up the draw, uh, the seeds, of course. Lorenzo Sanigo, someone with a serve and a forehand and not a lot of other assets, which is a prototype that Djokovic generally beats very comfortably. It's kind of like a worse version of Berrettini. Monfils, well-documented how much Djokovic dominates that matchup. Then you have Christian Garin, who's not a real 16 seed on hardcourt, really more like a... Honestly, I don't think he's a top 32 player in this draw, if we're being honest. So those are the seeds in Djokovic's section. And then if you go to unseeded players, the two that catch my eye are Pedro Martinez and Tommy Paul. Nothing crazy here. Now, Tommy Paul is my dark horse because obviously I'm going to make my dark horse someone in Djokovic's section considering that Novak might not be able to play. With that possibility, if I'm going to look at which unseeded player is most likely to make a run, I'm going to go with someone in this section and Tommy Paul, if what he did at the end of the year in Stockholm, if he can bring that level, if that was legit, I don't like to overreact on one week. So I'm not like confident that that's who Tommy Paul is. But if that's who Tommy Paul is, the dude who we saw in Stockholm, then that's my guy as far as dark horses go, because that was a really high level. But I've only seen it a couple weeks from him. So we'll see. Upset alert is Matteo Berrettini. Here's why. Berrettini plays a couple of really good returners. In the first round, Brandon Nakashima, a guy who has a win over Milos Raonic last summer, a win over John Isner last summer, and I think there's more examples of him taking out some uh, big servers. I don't know what he did in Los Cabos. Uh, I'm not going to guess, but basically, I remember looking into this at, at one point after he beat Isner at the U.S. Open. He's a really good returner. He takes the return early no matter who he's playing against and uses continental grip to block it back. That's the first-round opponent, so good returner. And then in the third round, you have Carlos Alcaraz, who's also a, a really, really high-level returner. Berrettini's actually the kind of guy who... I think doesn't get upset a lot, but given the fact that he's going to play two excellent returners in the in the first three rounds, I uh, I put him on upset alert. Then you can make the argument: Well, how big of an upset would it be if a seeded player in Alcaraz, who has so much upside, took him out? There's an argument to be made. That's not that big an that's not that big of an upset. 
But I think first three rounds qualifies as, as upset alert, so Berrettini is in there. Early popcorn match, Cam Nori versus Sebastian Corda. That is definitely a match that I will want to be watching. I'm not sure where Corda is at. He didn't have a great end to 2021 after having a great first half. So I'll be curious to see what he looks like. And Nori needs a win. 0-3 in the ATP Cup against three excellent opponents who put in great performances. But uh, he needs a win. And not to mention his performances at majors have lagged behind his performances outside of slams. And let's face it, his fitness is his greatest asset, so he should be excelling in best of five, not the other way around. But he, if you look at his losses, he keeps losing in straight sets in the majors, so he doesn't even get a chance to use his endurance to his advantage. So I'm very much looking forward to Nori versus Korda in the first round. And by the way, if Djokovic doesn't play, the other guy who wouldn't shock me, who is seated, is Gail Monfils, who's looking very good. So if Djokovic doesn't play, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Monfils made the quarterfinal. But of course, Gail, largely speaking, has that durability and endurance problem in the best-of-five format that usually comes back to hurt him. So I'm not overly confident in Mofisa's ability to put in a great performance at this event. Let's move on to Zverev's quarter. Top seeds are Zverev, Nadal, Hercoc, Shapovalov, Karatsev, Opelka, Hachinov, and Harris. This is, in my opinion, the strongest quarter in the draw. What you have is five guys who have made major semifinals in 2021. In Nadal, Zverev, Herkoc, Shapovalov, and Karatsev. Then you have two guys who have made quarterfinals, Hachinov and Opelka. Uh, sorry, Hachinov and Harris. Then you have Riley Opelka, who's no schlub. So it's stacked. It's loaded. Prediction reveal, quarterfinal, Zverev defeats Hubert Herkoc. My dark horse, I have two of them, Tanasi Kakanakis and James Duckworth. My upset alert is Aslan Karatsev. And my early popcorn match is Nadal versus Kakanakis in round two. Let's break it down. First of all, for Zverev, the top seed, it's not all bad news because when he played Harris at the U.S. Open, who is his uh, projected fourth round, Harris looked completely solved. That was not a good match. That was not a close match. So in that respect, Zverev got a good seed, honestly, in Lloyd Harris. Then you have Shapovalov and Opelka. Those are the other guys who are projected to play Zverev before the quarterfinal. And those are two upset-prone guys. And then if they end up reaching Zverev, where I feel like there's a chance that they don't, because of just their tendencies, I don't think either guy matches up particularly well with Zverev. You know, Alex is is good against the the big servers, no doubt about that. And Shapovalov, much better against players who are easily rushed, much better against players who don't have elite defense, much better against players who don't have tremendous uh, consistency. 
So I don't think that there's that much for Zverev to worry about early on, despite the fact that he's in the best quarter. Now let's go to the bottom half. This is where I think there's a lot more murkiness. Rafa has a brutal draw. I think no matter how you slice it. Again, I have to pull it up now. Uh, Giron in the first round isn't bad. Kakanakis in the second round is my is not only a dark horse but also a popcorn match. Kakanakis is super talented. I think everyone as he was coming up considered him a top 50 if not a top 30 talent and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy but all of last year he was healthy which sets him up to have a really big year and he's already had a great start to 2022 in Adelaide. He's looking really pure. His serve's awesome. His forehand is awesome. He's a very pure ball striker. has a ton of talent. So that's a match I'll, I'll have circled. But I don't think that it's a terrible... Like, I don't have Kakanakis beating Nadal. And I can't really see it if we're being completely honest. The next two guys are where I think Rafa could have a very tough go. Because they're both guys who do things where on a hard court... It's what I look for in a player who could give Nadal trouble. Big server, great backhands. First Karen Hatchinov, then Hubert Hurkacz. Nadal is not always the best returner when he's not confident on a quick court. And his cross-court forehand on a hard court, if he's not confident, can be punished by bit with you know, players who step into the backhand well are the players who are able to put the most pressure on Nadal in baseline rallies because of how sometimes his cross-court forehand can land short. And instead of breaking down the righty backhand, which often it does, players are able to actually defend it pretty well at times. Some players, a player like Hercotch and a player like Hatchinoff, who have great righty backhands. In fact, a couple years back, I want to say it was 2019, but it might have been 2018, I predicted Hatchinov to potentially upset Nadal. I don't know if I went as far as saying, I don't think I actually said that he would do it, but I said that it's going to be a close match. And I got completely destroyed in the comments. And this was, I think, before I built up trust with with viewers. It was very early on. And I think a lot of people thought at the time that I hated Nadal because people are always very suspicious when they don't know someone that they're very biased. And now I think most of my viewers know me better. So I don't really get these accusations as often. But anyway, it turned out to be a great match. And I was correct that Hatchinov is a tough matchup for Nadal because he serves big and steps into his backhand really well. Nadal doesn't break down forehands as well as he breaks down backhands. So when backhands are rock solid and when players are great at taking them on the rise, think about like Fabio Fanini, who's had a couple of big wins against Nadal. When players are great at taking that back, that two-hander on the rise, they bother Nadal a lot more. So I think that his his draw is brutal. By the way, if it's Karatsev instead of Hercotch, Karatsev has one of the better backhands on the rise in the sport as well. I I don't have Karatsev uh, going that far, but point stands. Uh, so I don't have Nadal making the quarterfinal. I have Hercotch beating him. 
Hercotch takes out Nadal. I do have him getting through Hatchinoff. Let's see, where do I go from here? Let me address the upset alert, Aslan Karatsev. I just, I don't love that he's defending all these points. With the level of confidence that he comes into this tournament with, with what I saw from him when the when the pressure was mounting with Karatsev, I don't think he handled it that well. So I think there's an enormous amount of pressure on Aslan coming into this event, and I don't think it's going to be good for him, and that's why he's on upset alert kind of regardless of draw for me. I didn't really look at the draw. Now, is this a quick hard court? Is that his best surface? Yeah, but it doesn't really matter for me. I'm not I'm not saying unequivocally I hate him at this tournament, but of the seeds in a stacked quarter, he was clearly my pick. And I think that does it. I guess I will address lastly why I will I address why I have Zverev over Hercotch? I don't have that much to say about that. Zverev over Hercotch. I yeah, I mean Zverev's a better version of Hercotch. I think that's the the best way I can put it. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to get into it much. Let's go to Stefano Tsitsipas's quarter. The top seeds are Tsitsipas, Rude, Sinner, Bautista Agut, Fritz, Basilashvili, Dimitrov, and Dimonor. What I'll say broadly about this quarter is that it has the potential to be the, the most wide-open quarter. You have a guy in Tsitsipas who has health concerns coming in, you have Kaspar Rude, who, despite his excellent performance at the ATP Finals, he still has on fast courts a backhand return issue and a backhand defense issue. And I'd be surprised if I'd be surprised if Rude had a great run here. I wouldn't be surprised if a healthy Tsitsipas had a had a good run here. In fact, the situation with Tsitsipas is very simple. And I'll explain it shortly. Let me reveal my predictions first. Quarterfinal, Sinner defeats Fritz. My dark horses are Ilya Ivashka and Andy Murray. My upset alert is Kaspar Rude. My early popcorn is Demonor versus Musetti in round one. Let me explain the situation in my eyes with Tsitsipas. He got a good draw here. Unless one matchup happens, in my opinion. With Tsitsipas, very simple on a on a fast court. I really just want him avoiding the big servers. And if he avoids the big servers, he's and he can get into the rallies, he's a better baseliner than pretty much everyone else out there. So that's what I look for, and he's done that. He has uh Again, the delay in not having this printed out. He has Emer in the first round. He has either Sebastian Baez or Ramos Vinolas in the second round. He has Dimitrov potentially in the third round. None of these guys are going to really serve a lot of heat. So that's good for Tsitsipas. Uh, potentially Dimitrov's slice won't be great for, for Stefanos, but he's not he's not awful at handling slice. He's just not great. Anyway, this is to say the one matchup that I think would be bad for him is Taylor Fritz, who not only 
has that really big serve and plays plus one tennis behind it and I think can can serve big, take advantage of the short returns, especially on the backhand side. But also I think backhand to backhand, he can be really good and he can just play that aggressive tennis that that can lull Tsitsipas into the more passive play, in my opinion. So that's the bad matchup. Now Roberto Bautista Agut looms here and RBA is playing awesome. I don't think that the 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 fact that RBA has struggled in Melbourne, I think that's kind of a coincidence. And even though he's 34 years old, I feel like he should have another Australian Open run in him at some point in his career, given how good he is in the beginning of the season. He's amazing in January, just not awesome at the Aussie for some reason. I, I think best of five does wear him down and his physical style sometimes. Anyway... I think Tsitsipas will be rooting for RBA and not Fritz. And if it's RBA and not Fritz, I have Tsitsipas coming through this quarterfinal. But I fill out my draw. What do I have? I have Fritz. I have Fritz over Tsitsipas. Thus, Fritz goes to the quarterfinal. Then in the top half, Rude has a tough draw. Sinner has a much better draw. Now, if you're looking at Sinner and rude head-to-head, I think I also lean center matchup-wise. Backhand-to-backhand, big advantage for uh, for center. And I like the way center has the ability to take time away from rude, take the ball early and hit big, and I think he has the potential to rush Casper Rude on a lot of occasions. And I again, I, I, I like that matchup for center. As far as Rude's draw, I also think that he gets a tough break here. He plays a lefty who is obviously going to be hitting that, attacking that backhand return from a lefty trajectory in the first round. Someone who's in really good form and has been pretty good recently in Alex Molkan. Then you have Ilya Avashka, someone who hits extraordinarily big, serves very big, takes the ball on takes the ball incredibly early. That's a terrible matchup for Rude in my opinion. So, three bad matchups in a row. I feel much more comfortable putting Sinner ahead. So, I have Sinner in the quarterfinal to meet Fritz. Why do I have Sinner taking out Fritz? Everything but serve Sinner's better and neither are experienced. So, usually that's what I'd take away from Sinner is the experience factor and how's he going to handle the moment. I could see either player not handling that very well. I don't know. I go with Sinner. Again, I I don't like to get into a lot of depth with the hypotheticals. My dark horse is Avashka. Big 2021. I think he's going to build on it. I, I really like his game. He's tough too. He fights very, very hard. He's got a lot of great tools. Solid off of, offensively off of both sides. Doesn't play defense, but that's okay. Andy Murray, he's been a dark horse, maybe a couple of he's been a dark horse a lot recently. And maybe I'm maybe I should stop, but I don't think now is the time to really jump off that bandwagon. Murray had a solid end to last year, and I think he truly believes that there's gonna be a moment here where he's able to make a run, and I think it's coming soon. Basilashvili, a guy who he's beaten twice, once at Wimbledon, once last week. That's his first round opponent again. That's pretty annoying. I'm really sick of seeing that, but that's how it is. Andy Murray, dark horse, 
yeah, I, I, I think that's apt. Rude's upset alert. I explained why. And then early popcorn, Demonor versus Musetti. Two guys really desperate for this win. No, I, that's too strong a word. Two guys who could really use a win after the tough seasons that they had. Of course, Demonor's already had a big win this season against, against Berrettini at ATP Cup. But these guys could really use this win. And stylistically, the contrast is pretty awesome, especially from a court position perspective. It's the polar opposites. Musetti loving to give up ground and give himself time and Demonor really one of the one of the real baseline huggers on tour. Shall we move on? We go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Top seeds are Medvedev, Rublev, Oje Aliasim, Schwartzman, Isner, Evans, Chilich, and Umber. This quarterfinal is the one where I have trouble making or painting with broad strokes. It's frankly the quarter where a lot of the players individually interest me. But at the same time, I feel like the sum is the whole is less than the sum of its parts. I I don't know. You know, the one thing I will say is a lot of the top seeds, or I, I should specify, the top three seeds. I feel like have a lot to complain about. And I'll tell you why after the reveal. Quarterfinals. Medvedev defeats FAA. Dark Horse David Gafan. Upset alert John Isner. Early popcorn Isner versus Cressy. I think Medvedev, Rublev, and Oje Aliasim might all look at this draw and be like, ugh, Really? Medvedev for the simple fact that you go on bears in the area, and that's a that's a very frustrating and annoying matchup for Medvedev so far. Umber leads it 2-0. Uh, could I could I really see Umber beating Medvedev again? Not really. But nonetheless, I'm sure Medvedev isn't thrilled to see that. Andre Rublev. First of all. The last two times that he has successfully made a run to the quarterfinal on a hard court where he has a chance, he has been stopped by Medvedev both times. So once again, he's looking at potentially being stopped by Medvedev if he makes it as far as the quarterfinal. Other than that, he has Dan Evans, who leads that head-to-head 3-2, -head to two, and there's no, it's no secret why Rublev is horrific at handling slice. So I'm sure he's not thrilled to see that either. However, Felix could take care of Evans for Rublev, more likely than not. Oh, and Felix has had an amazing start to the season. The only time he didn't look good was against the guy who he shares a quarter with, Daniil Medvedev, who not only bageled him in the second set, of their ATP Cup meeting. But Medvedev has won seven straight sets against FAA. And one of them, their first meeting dates back to 2018, before Medvedev was even good. Exaggerating. If you're pro, you're good. You know what I mean. Okay. So, moving on from that. I think Daniil has another pretty good draw. 
it's not quite as good as some of them have been. And I really hope that he meets some resistance because some of Medvedev's early round slam matches have just been, I mean, there hasn't been drama. They've just been boring. And if you're a Medvedev fan or if you're Medvedev, you love that. But oh my God, it's been a total snooze fest uh, recently with Medvedev in these slams until the very end. So I, I just hope from an entertainment perspective and someone who doesn't really, you know, someone who's removed from fandom, I, I kind of hope we see some interest uh, and we learn something about Daniil here. But the two top seeds, I would say, are good matchups for Medvedev, linear power guys in Rublev and FAA. So in that sense, I think Medvedev has another good draw. There are some interesting matchups. I think Umber is an interesting matchup for Medvedev. I think Schwartzman, depending on how the surface is playing, Schwartzman is an interesting matchup for Medvedev on a surface where his court coverage is bothering Medvedev's ability to finish points. But then, then again, I, I, the surface might be too quick for that to be the case, and the serve deficit is so enormous. I'd be utterly stunned, utterly stunned if Schwartzman pulled off an upset against Medvedev. Then, but, you know, it's somewhat, moderately interesting matchup. And then Evans, if Evans somehow gets to the quarterfinal, that would also be an interesting matchup. That's a total long shot. Ultimately, guys, what do I think happens here? This is another breezy path to a semifinal for Medvedev. I've predicted that a couple times now. It's been true every time I've said it. I could just see this being easy for him again. Now, Umber, that's interesting. But other than that, this could be simple. It could be. And as a result, I definitely have less questions about this quarter than most of the other quarters. I do have FAA getting to the quarterfinal to play Medvedev. Excuse me. Um, I'm super high on FAA right now. It's the highest I've been on him. It kind of scares me because I don't want to overreact. I don't want to have recency bias. But in this case, I, I can't really fight it. And he's my, he's my clear pick over... The contenders. I like him more than Rublev right now. And I have him going to the quarterfinal. Dark Horse is Gafan. I don't feel awesome about this, to be honest. I'm not thrilled about the unseated players in this quarter. But I go with Gafan because who knows what we're going to get at this point. We know he has the talent. We've seen it from him. So he's kind of... I shrug my shoulders. Is he going to have... When's he going to flip a switch? Have some somewhat of a resurgence? Have his... Gelmon feasts in Toronto moment where it's like, okay, I'm back. I don't know. So of all of all the unseated players, Gafan is the one who sticks out. And then upset alert, John Isner. His first round match against Maxime Cressy is going to be a total toss-up, in my opinion. Especially because of how tiny the margins are going to be. And I made Isner versus Cressy my early popcorn match, which a lot of you guys would rather probably put needles in your eyes than watch that match, those of you who hate servebot matches. And I don't like servebot matches, but I also know that they're going to be kind of dramatic. And I do not like the first round matches in this quarter at all. So Isner versus Cressy is the one that I think is going to 
be tense and dramatic. So that's my early popcorn match. And also, is Cressy kind of fun to watch right now? Be yes, he, he is. He's uh he's on a real tear. He's looking really, really good. And um definitely definitely exciting. So we'll see. Might be a little tired. A lot of tennis though at the moment. So that's Medvedev's quarter. I'm not very enthusiastic about this quarter. It's not the one that I'm very excited to watch. I'm I'm more excited to watch the wide open quarter, which is Tsitsipas's quarter, and then the stacked quarter, which is Zverev's quarter. Those are the ones I'm very excited about. Novak's, eh. Medvedev's, eh. That's kind of where I stand on entertainment value. All right, let's go to... The final weekend where I kind of butchered the PowerPoint presentation and I am going to reveal everything at once. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. In the semifinals, Zverev defeats Djokovic in four sets and Medvedev defeats Sinner in three sets. In the final Medvedev defeats Zverev in four sets, and he wins back-to-back majors on hard court. Um, now, first of all, by the way, do keep in mind that I think that they're, based on my predictions, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty much predicting if Djokovic doesn't play, then Alcaraz and Sinner will both be in the semifinal which sounds very unlikely. It just doesn't sound like the kind of thing that's ready to happen. But again, I can't fight my predictions. I fill out the draw. It is what it is. And that's how it is. So I, I'm not going to change it because it sounds bizarre. Um, I just want to point that out, that it could be like that. As far as the best three players in the world, I think that there's a really pronounced gap after Djokovic, Medvedev, and Zverev. It's on a hard court. I, I really think it's very clear. And right now, I'm kind of feeling a little bit of a triangle action, a little bit of a love triangle. I think Zverev is pretty confident, pretty confident against Novak at the moment. On two occasions, he beat him in 2021, and both times they were in semifinals. And the way he beat him, he kind of hit him off the court. So I think Zverev should feel really good uh, and somewhat confident in his play against Djokovic. I feel like he feels like he can win, has a lot of belief. So I feel all right taking him for a breakthrough win at a slam here. And that's what this would be. Medvedev defeating Sinner in three sets. That's pretty simple. That's very easy. I think Medvedev's a nightmare matchup for the current iteration of Sinner. And again, Zverev, Djokovic, and Medvedev a head and shoulder above everyone else. So that puts Medvedev and Zverev in the final. In that love triangle I'm talking about, I still think, I th I still think Medvedev kind of has Zverev's number. I know that Zverev... Beat him at the ATP Finals. That was kind of a pretty weird match to me. A lot of things about Medvedev's mental and physical just seemed very much off. 
all in all, I think Medvedev does a lot of things a little bit better than Zverev in a very much sameness clashing of styles. And not to mention the low bounce and the skidding effect that Medvedev can get on a lot of his balls. And Zverev likes the ball to bounce up and sit up a little bit more. I really do think that Medvedev has that head-to-head edge. So again, I have Medvedev beating Zverev uh, to complete the triangle because there's one I didn't say, right? Oh, Djokovic-Medvedev. I think Djokovic, if, if, if it were Djokovic-Medvedev, I'd take Djokovic. I think there are small tactical advantages that Novak has in that matchup that he's he's very good at kind of outfoxing Medvedev when he has his A game, when he has obviously everything firing mentally and physically, which he didn't at the US Open. In their other meetings, I really do feel like Djokovic plays an excellent chess match against Medvedev. So that's my my love triangle, which it's kind of Zverev over Djokovic, Medvedev over Zverev, Djokovic over Medvedev. And you see that very often with uh, with head-to-heads. It's not rare at all. And that's just how I'm seeing things at this moment. That doesn't mean that it won't change. That doesn't even mean that I'm spot on or correct about that. I'm just kind of letting you guys into kind of how I picked the final weekend of the Australian Open. Is it getting in my head a little bit that Novak might not play, that Novak might have a bit of a circus around him, that there's, again, I'm not really concerned about him at all physically, but are there some question marks mentally about how all of this may have affected him, zapped his energy or, or something like that? I think that there are. Is that affecting my pick? Maybe I, I tried to take that out of it, but I'm human and it I can't, and it probably did affect my pick. So Obviously, if that's Alcaraz instead of Djokovic, I still have Zverev winning, and my prediction is the same. And that is that. Australian Open coverage. I may be doing a fair bit of live pre-day shows. But other than that, it's all going to be the same. It's going to be post-match videos. It's going to be single-topic videos. And it is going to be, hopefully... Uh, also, a couple of mailbags. Can't wait for it. First major of the year. It is right around the corner. Remember, if you liked what you saw in this video, join for $2 a month. Secure the future of this channel. It is a huge help, and it is greatly appreciated. Other than that, hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.